0: Thank you all for being here at Dive tonight. All right, here's what we're going to do. I am going to go through a series of teaching tonight that is going to clear up yet another misconception in the Word of God, or like a misinterpretation of the Scripture. And that is the verse or the little section of verses that talks about Paul's thorn or the thorn in the flesh, thorn in the flesh, right? Hope you guys are taking some good notes tonight. Listen up. You know someone in your life somewhere sometime that has had like an ongoing nagging illness or some kind of physical condition and they say, well, this is just my thorn in my flesh to bear. Have you ever heard anybody say that? It's just a thorn in my flesh It's just a pain that God's given me Or a sickness that God has given me Or whatever to remind me of how powerful He is Or God's just given me this illness To keep me in my place You've heard that, right? You've all heard that What a gross misinterpretation of that verse that that is Okay? let's just start with it. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verses seven through 10. Second Corinthians 12: seven through10. In the King James, New King James says this, "And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure." Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. All right? Now let's back up just a minute before I go into that and get this in our mind. During the time of Jesus, when Jesus was walking the earth, signs and wonders and miracles were abounding. Because people could see and believe. Right? And then after the time of Christ, it's funny, it didn't take long, after Christ ascended into heaven, that these signs and miracles began to cease. And people began to doubt, and unbelief crept in. Even before the New Testament could be finished. Were written, false prophets started popping up and Christians became lukewarm and worldly behavior invaded the church, not the world, worldly behavior invaded the church and people's faith began to slip into unbelief. You understand that, right? Now let me get this real straight. There is no scripture, absolutely no scripture that supports the idea that the miraculous gifts of the Spirit have ceased. Or that God has like removed them or withdrawn those. That is not scriptural. They simply faded due to people's lack of belief. People became lukewarm. They began to doubt and not believe the things that happened when Jesus was here. But look, these gifts have not ceased. They are still available to me and to Pastor Allen and to every one of you. Every one of you that is a believer. Okay? For all those centuries that Christ walked on the earth, religious tradition... And that unbelief, it just snowballed. Got bigger and bigger and overtook any belief that signs and miracles could happen. And people became steeped in this false teaching over centuries and centuries of just junk. And when these... Miracles stopped happening because people's unbelief was there. The miracles weren't happening as frequently. People couldn't see. They didn't believe. And so religious scholars, they had to find a way to twist the teaching to match what was happening. And so they twisted the teaching into ideas that miracles and things like healing had just gone with Jesus. And that became the, the teaching. That was what was believed. And many of these scriptures were twisted and, and they got left out or they just got misinterpreted so that they could line up with what I'll call religious stinking thinking, Lordis. Stinking thinking. Just like the study we did two weeks ago, the book of Job, you guys that were here, got a revelation of that. This is another one, just like that, just like Job, all these years, for some people have been mistaught and misrepresented what the book of Job really is about. This particular subject, the thorn in the flesh, has just been misrepresented, okay? Okay? So, 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 so many people have been taught that their sickness came from God and that's just their thorn in the flesh that they must bear to teach them a lesson or keep them in line. But I'm I'm here to tell you tonight, you don't need religious, traditional teaching to tell you what to believe. Okay. John 14.26 says. The helper. The Holy Spirit. Has been sent by the father. And he. Will teach you all things. He will teach you all things. So I'm going to present to you. From a. From a. Human voice. But you let the Holy Spirit teach you as I'm speaking. Okay. Just like we learned in that study on Job two weeks ago, we learned to what? Rightly divide the word. Rightly divide the word. That means to look at the context. That means if I'm looking at this floor of this church, but I go up in a helicopter, I can see a lot bigger. Right? Look at the context. Look at the culture. The meaning of phrases. Look at the audience that the speaker is talking to. Look at the speaker. Who was the, who was the speaker? Look at the Greek and the Hebrew original. Rightly divide the word. Don't just read a verse and say, Huh, well I guess that's what that means. Okay? Put it into context. Did you know in the King James, and by the way I love the King James, I'll probably read the King James before before any other version probably, but even in King James, it says the word infirmity. What do you think of when you hear the word infirmity? Sickness, ailment. That's not what the word infirmity means. It means, the word infirmity means weakness in the original. Weakness. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a a little bit. But along those same lines, I want to say this. Don't just take every translation of the Bible as a literal translation, okay? Some of them are paraphrased versions, okay? That means, for instance, Wendy, you know the story of Daniel in the lion's den, and you can tell the story, but you can't quote it Word for word, exactly the way it's written, correct? That's paraphrase. And they have a great overall interpretation. And it makes it real easy for scriptures to be understood reading a paraphrase version. And I love them. They're great. But some of them, some, I said, of them are full of the author's own traditional religious belief and and mistranslations have been twisted to conform to that author's traditional thinking. You understand? I want to read this same verse that I just read to you from the living Bible. The living Bible, not the new living, not the NLT. The living Bible was written in nineteen seventy one. I remember my mama had one sitting on the it was a brand new thing. In 1971, wow! This version of the Bible that you can actually read and understand—the Living Bible—I'm going to read you Second Corinthians 12:7 through 9 from the Living Bible. It says, "Because these experiences that I had were so tremendous, God was afraid. God was afraid that I might be puffed up by them." And so I was given a physical condition, which has been a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan, to hurt and bother me and prick my pride. Three different times I begged God to make me well again. And each time He said no. But I'm with you and that's all you need. My power shows up best in weak people. Now I'm glad to boast about how weak I am. I'm glad to be living in demonstration of Christ's power instead of showing off my own power and ability. Can you see how messed up that is? That translation? Nothing could be... I have a problem with almost every word of that passage right there. By the way, nobody uses the living translation, the living Bible anymore. It's, I don't even know if it's in print anymore, maybe it is, but don't use the living Bible as a guide. The author didn't translate the scripture. He paraphrased his own religious ideology into that version. Okay? So the point is, be careful which translation that you study. And so that version seems to indicate that that God gave Paul a sickness. One of the greatest men, most effective men of God that ever lived. Can you imagine God loving and choosing His greatest warrior for the gospel and equipping him to go... And reach multitudes and showing his divine love to this guy by making him sick. Can you? It just doesn't make sense. I mean, if, you, if that's all you look at, if you don't look at any teaching behind it, if you just look at that and say, well, I don't think I want to be a, a, a gospel leader for Christ because good grief. He might make me sick. Just to, you know, keep me in line. It doesn't make sense. If, Paul, if God made Paul sick, then he went against his very own teaching concerning healing and divine health for believers. Okay? If God made Paul sick, well, then it must be God's will for people to be sick. And so Jesus just missed God's will by going around making people well. You see, look at Acts 10:38. It says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Scripture after Scripture after Scripture teaches that it is God's will to heal every sickness every time. If it's the will of God to heal every disease every time, then even if even if Paul had been sick, God would have healed him. And you notice in that verse, Peter says... The sickness is from the devil. Peter said the sickness is from the devil. This is the primary thing I want you guys to get tonight. If, if you've if you got to get up and leave right now, just take this with you, okay? The devil is the author of sickness. Not God. It is not the will... Of God for you to be sick. You got it right. That is not God's will. For you. Deuteronomy 28. Declares sickness a curse. And in Galatians 3. We see. Christ has redeemed us. From the curse. Being made a curse. For us. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon us. All right? I'm here to tell you right now. If you are sick in your body, your adversary, the enemy, the devil, did that to you, not God. Not God. Look at the the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6.10. You all know it. It says, Thy will be done on earth. As it is in heaven. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is there any sickness in heaven? No. No. Jesus said, I've come to do the will of Him who sent me. He came to do the Father's will. And the word says that He came healing the sick. It says, Jesus came healing the sick. Check this out. If it's the will. Of God. That people be sick. Then doctors and nurses. Like Jordan. Where's Keith. Like Keith. You're basically breaking God's will. If it's God's will. For people to be sick. Why are you treating people? I mean if it. If you believe it's God's will for you to carry this burden, this thorn in your flesh, it's just my my thorn in my flesh. If you believe that that God's just given you that to teach you a lesson, then why are you going to the doctor to get rid of it? I mean, if it's God's will that you have it, it, and God's just given me this thorn in my flesh, why are you taking some medicine? I mean, it's God's will. You should just be like, give me some more. Is that ridiculous or what? Okay. God has given doctors and nurses, thank you Jordan, thank you Keith, the knowledge and the ability to help one another. And in His wisdom, in His knowledge, He knows that every person... On this earth is not saved. He knows that. He knows that even believers. Don't all have the knowledge. Of his healing power. He knows that. And through doctors. And nurses. And technology. He extends his mercy. And his grace. And he meets people wherever their faith. Their point of faith is. You understand that? God, that nurse may be your point of healing. Okay? It is never ever some a God's will that somebody be sick, though, so they have to go see a doctor. Okay? If, it, if it's God's will for you to be sick, then there are scriptures passages that you're just going to have to rip out of your bible just right, y'all get ready to turn to them if you believe you are carrying a sickness because god gave it to you and it's your thorn in your flesh come on we're going to turn and i want y'all to rip these pages out of your bible are you ready go ahead and rip out james five fourteen. it says is any sick among you let him call on the elders of the church has anybody ever been sick or hurt and called on somebody to pray for them if, you were, if it was God's will for you to be sick, why are you calling on somebody to pray for you? Do you see how ridiculous this is? Go ahead and rip out Matthew 8, 17, and, and it references back to Isaiah 53, 4. Himself took our infirmities and bore our sickness. Well, why did Jesus come, take, and bore our sickness if it was God's will for us to have that sickness anyway? What a waste of His time. Go ahead and rip out Galatians 13. Rip out Deuteronomy 28. As a matter of fact, let me say this. As you begin to receive revelation of this message, that it's God's will for you to be healed, and it's God's will for you to even walk in divine health, you can see it in almost every verse of the entire Bible. It's like... it's like slathered into the entire book of the Bible. And so, look, do me this favor. If you believe that you're carrying a thorn in your flesh because God gave it to you, how about just go throw your whole Bible in the garbage can? Just throw the whole thing away. Forget ripping out the pages. Just, just throw the whole thing away. Now look, are there sick people? yes. Yes, because the devil is hard at work in this earthly realm to keep people bound, to keep people in doubt, to keep people in unbelief. And the easiest way to keep you in doubt and unbelief is, you know, if if you got some sickness or some pain or something, that's the easiest way that he can get to you. Yes, there are sick people. But is it God's will that they be sick? No. No. It is not. It is not. And so the first, the first big question that goes along with this Paul's thorn in the flesh is, was Paul sick? You've been taught that Paul had this thorn in his flesh and it was a sickness. Was Paul sick theologians who have decided through this religious tradition stinking thinking that Paul was cursed with a sickness from God they say that Paul now this is a recorded people preached this right here became part of Teaching in denominations in some places. These religious people taught that Paul had a disease called ophthalmia. Jordan, you ever heard of ophthalmia? Ophthalmia, it's a disease of the eyes. It is a gruesome disease of the eyes that causes. Massive amounts of pus to run out of your eyes and down your face. Ew. It is said to be so horrific that you can almost not stand to look into the face of someone that has this disease. It makes me want to barf right now thinking about it. Okay? Can you imagine the Apostle Paul going from church to church, city to city, walking the streets, walking the roads, working even as a tent maker, holding prayer meetings, healing the sick himself, and preaching to multitudes of people? Can you imagine him having this and and people not even be able to look in his face? Acts nineteen, eleven and twelve talks about how Paul had a special anointing, a special healing anointing that he would lay his hands on a cloth and he would pray, and the anoint the healing anointing would flow into a cloth, and then that cloth could be taken. To the person that was sick. And the healing anointing was so strong in that cloth. That that person would be healed. And Paul didn't even come over there and lay hands. The anointing was in the cloth. Read that in Acts 19, 11 and 12. Can you imagine today if a person with pus running down their face. Laid hands on a cloth. And then we tried to take that cloth and lay it on someone else. I mean, what do you call that, Jordan? MRSA? Ew. Jordan and Keith would red bag that cloth. They would not lay it on someone else. Biohazard material. Right? Right? Can you imagine Paul standing before the church at Ephesus and declaring healing power in God with green pus running down his face? It just doesn't make sense. I could go on and on and on. It doesn't make any sense that, Paul, that God would give Paul a special anointing to heal the sick and he couldn't, he couldn't believe for healing for his own self even after he asked three times. Okay? If Paul, if the thorn was sickness and Paul asked three times to have it taken away, then God had to say, no, you keep it. Does that sound like God to you? If that's what happened, that is the only place in the Bible where someone came for healing and God told them, just keep it just keep it that's stupid and it's unscriptural some of these religious scholars have even come to the conclusion that God is glorified by giving sickness to someone and that we should rejoice when God gives us sickness because it glorifies God I'm not joking guys That God's teaching you something to make you sick and and He's going to get some kind of glory from you being sick. Look, if if sickness glorifies God, now healing glorifies God, but God didn't make you sick so He could get some glory. If sickness glorifies God, we need to rewrite Paul's whole words into something like this. I will glory in my ophthalmia. My eyes may be full of disgusting discharge. I know you all can hardly stand to look at me. But no matter, I will glory in it and I will rejoice in my sickness. If God gives a glory for our sickness and we're to rejoice in it, if that were the case, well then we ought to just start saying, praise God, thank you Jesus for this cancer, and for crippling my body and, and giving me arthritis. Thank you Lord for putting me on all these medications, and all, and all this pain medicine. All glory to you for that. That's, that's just ridiculous. And also look, for anyone who says... That God has made you sick to teach you something, to teach you a lesson? God's keeping you sick and bound to keep you a lesson? Let me ask you a quick question. If that were true, and it's not, but if that were true, that God gave you a sickness just to teach you a lesson, how long have you been sick? A year? Five years? Ten years? How long have you been sick with this? How long does it take you to learn a lesson? I mean, if if he's trying to teach you something by making you sick, which he's not, by the way, but if, if he were, go ahead and learn the lesson, and then get healed. Come on now. The truth is that God is not making you sick to teach you a lesson or to keep you in line or to bring glory to himself. Okay? So big question number two is, well, then what was Paul's thorn? What was it? And you know by now, Scripture interprets Scripture. Correct? It's our job to rightly divide the word. And so with that in mind, let's see what Paul says is the thorn in his flesh. First of all, the the term thorn in the flesh is used in other places in the Bible. Hey, that might be a good place to start. Right? Let's look at Numbers 3355. Numbers 3355 says this. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you. Then it shall be that those whom you let remain. Shall be pricks in your eyes and thorns in your side. And they shall harass you in the land where you dwell. That's, a, that's one place that it's used. And right there we're, we're told. That the pricks and the thorns were the people of Canaan. People. The people of Canaan. They were personalities. They were not sicknesses. They weren't most definitely not an eye sickness. Ugh. Now, were there actually Canaanites sticking out of the eyes and the sides of the Israelites? You see any Israelites walking around with a Canaanite sticking out of their eye? Duh. No. God's illustration... <laughs> God uses this as an illustration to show us that just like if you have a, a splinter, it aggravates you. It irritates you. If you had a splinter in your side... It'd be irritating you, aggravating you. He used it as an illustration to show that if they allowed the Canaanites to stay in their land, the Canaanites would always be an irritation to them. Okay? It was an illustration. The next reference is in Joshua 23, 13. It says, But they shall be snares and traps unto you, And scourges in your side and thorns in your eye until you perish from off of this good land which the Lord hath given unto you. Again, that thorn reference is talking about people, not sicknesses. All right, there's another reference in 2 Samuel 23 6, where the sons of Belial, Belial, they were referenced as thorns. That's a people group, not a sickness. And so even as Paul refers to the thorn in his flesh, he is making a reference to a personality, not a sickness. The person that he calls the thorn is the messenger of Satan. The Greek word for this word messenger... Is angelos or angel, angelos of Satan, angel of Satan or messenger of Satan, a person, a personality, not a sickness. The word angelos is used in scripture 188 times. In 181 of those, it is translated angel. And in the other seven, it's translated messenger. In all 188 references of Angelos, it's referring to a person or personality. Never, ever, ever a sickness. And so for any scholar... Any Bible translator, shame on them to say that, well, in just this one reference, one instance, it means sickness. That is to do a severe injustice, not only to the word, but also to the way that we interpret the word. I want to read the whole thing to you again because there's some stuff in there. It says it says and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation a thorn in the flesh was given me a messenger of Satan to buffet me lest I be exalted above measure concerning this thing I pleaded with the Lord 3 times that it might depart from me and he said to me my grace is sufficient for you my strength is made perfect in weakness therefore most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmity and the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmity, in reproaches, in need, in persecution, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, I'm strong. Now notice it says, Paul says the messenger was sent to do what? It says a messenger of Satan to buffet me. To buffet me. It does not say buffet me. Jordan. Buffet me. To buffet Paul. This messenger was sent to buffet Paul. The word buffet means to give blow after blow. Wave after wave. Imagine a ship in some rocky water. Stormy water Rough water and the waves bashing on this side, bashing here, wave after wave after wave. That's buffeting. Okay? If you study out the word buffet in the scripture, you will not find a single reference to buffeting meaning sickness. All right? Study it out. Alright, so what was it that this messenger of Satan was buffeting against Paul then? We've made it clear it wasn't sickness. Okay, so the bottom line here is what was Paul's thorn? The word makes it real clear as it always does. I want to back up in 2 Corinthians before the verses that we've been reading, back up to... Chapter 11, verses 21 through 29. It says, To my shame, I must say we were too weak for that. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I'm speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I'm talking like a madman. This is Paul now with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hand of the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false prophets or false brothers. In toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure... And apart from other things, there was the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all of the churches. Y'all getting all that? Buffet, 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 buffet. It goes right on there into chapter 12, where we just read, where Paul then calls it the thorn in his flesh. I want you to write these down and also take a look at these 1 Corinthians 4 11 and 12. And 2 Corinthians 6, 4 through 10. Where Paul gives some more lists. List after list of hardships and trials and tests and problems. And not one in any of those are you ever going to see him list sickness as being one of his problems. And so I want to read to you 2 Corinthians 7-10, chapter 12, 7-10 again. I'm going to read it from the English Standard Version, which I love. I'll read it one more time. It says, So to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ then, I am content with weakness, insult, hardship, persecution, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Notice how this version translates correctly infirmities as weaknesses right paul recognizes his weaknesses and his inability in his own strength to stand up against this messenger of satan on his own he was he was nothing he couldn't do it and he asked three times for the messenger to be removed and god replied he didn't say no he said my grace." is sufficient for thee for my strength is made perfect in weakness you see paul was learning in his ministry just like just like me just like pastor allen it is an ongoing learning process okay it was years from the time when paul was converted to the time when he received this messenger that began to buffet him. Paul did a lot of growing and learning during that time. And he was still growing. And even to his death, he was growing and learning as we all should be. And he asked God three times to remove the troublemaker. He had to learn himself that God had graced him with the power and authority to do it through Christ. He had it was it was he had come to revelation. He learned something, and when Paul saw that the grace of God was good enough for him, sufficient, he was able to say, "Therefore, I will boast in all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For when I'm weak, I'm strong." Paul realized that within himself, in himself, he was weak. But because he had Christ in him, he was able to say, just like John, I've overcome them. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in this, in this world. And if if you study the life of Paul, you're going to see he was an overcomer. And if he was an overcomer, he overcame the thorn in his flesh. Alright? I believe... Paul went through a period we was probably something like this. Oh dear God. Why does this mess keep happening to me? There's Paul. I'm I've given my whole life to this gospel, and I'm traveling and I'm working hard, and God, I'm every day I'm ministering, and and I and you've given me all these gifts. And what is this mess keeps coming against me? God, do something. Take this aggravation away from me. All right? You see what he's doing? He did it three times. He did this. Look at how hard I'm working. Look, Why does these people keep coming in? Why am I getting stoned? Why am I in jail again? Oh my God. God, do something. Three times he did this. And then finally, after three times, God basically says to him, Look here, bucko. I have done my part. I've given you authority to do your part. Stop asking me. Stop asking me. My grace is all that you need. Because that is where you will find strength in your weaknesses. And after the third time, Paul, like a light came on. The light bulb came on in his head. And he was like, oh, oh, duh. When I am weak, Christ in me is strong. When I'm going through these trials, Christ in me is strong. He came to a revelation. And then when that buffeting would begin, he was like, hey, Angelos, <laughs> he he ha, ha, ha. Right? Hardship, persecution would come against him. He stopped asking God to do something. Instead, he was like, he, ha, 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 ha. Come on, devil. Bring it on. Let me show you how strong... My God is. Right? Aren't you thankful for the life of Paul? Aren't you thankful that God made his ways and his revelations known to Paul so that we could learn if we rightly divide the word? And that Paul wrote all the holy scriptures and we can study and we can learn and we can walk in the fullness that god has for us. Aren't you glad? And now look, I want you to get this before we go. Make sure you know this. God does not make you sick. If you didn't get nothing else, get that god is not making you sick. Don't need to repeat. Is everybody got it? God is not making you sick. If you are sick, it is not God trying to teach you a lesson. Sickness comes from, everybody? The devil, the enemy, the adversary. Okay? And God is not going to resist the devil for you. God says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Who is resist the devil? It's one of those understood pronouns. You resist the devil. All right. And when you feel weak, when you feel buffeted, when you feel like Paul did those three times, get a revelation that when you are weak, Christ in you is strong. And the glory comes to God when you Show his strength in your weakness. When you don't cave to the weakness, that doesn't mean things aren't going to come. Look at, go back and read what Paul went through. A whole lot more than me, a whole lot more than any of us, probably. Awful, terrible persecution, tests, trials, but he got a revelation when I'm feeling weak. Christ in me is strong. All right? Amen. 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 All right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. I thank you, Lord, that fresh revelation has come to somebody tonight. I pray, Lord, that each person in here will come to the knowledge that you have never, ever made someone sick because it's your will. Lord, I thank you that you've opened someone's eyes and you've brought fresh revelation to their heart. Thank you, Lord, that we can walk in victory and that when we are weak, when we feel battered and beaten and broken and buffeted, Lord, that you in us, Jesus in us, makes us strong. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. I thank you for meeting each person where they are. That none of us are perfect and we don't have to be perfect because your grace is sufficient for us. We just keep taking step after step after step towards you. Thank you Lord Jesus. Pray in Jesus name. Amen. And then before anyone asked me this question because I had this